So we're not always so crowded in here. Um, we are special morning. And I got a donut with sprinkles. It's incredible. Was that yours, Whitney? Was that yours? I mean, I'll eat it. I'll eat it. I'm not ashamed. Not ashamed. Hey, so a special day for us. About two years ago, uh, me and my wife started in on a journey. I believe God called us to start a church. Uh, some families like the Alonzos and the Freemans and Stringers and some others came alongside of us. And they said, we want to be a part of that. Um, about six months in, we realized God wasn't starting one church. He was starting two churches. Uh, so we began to act like it and move towards that end. Uh, so now we have Bridgetown Church and we have City Church Salt County. Out of that, um, I've been humbled in this process, realize I have no control over my life or what God wants to do. Um, so this morning is really special for some of us because we're, we're going back and we're celebrating what we saw God start two years ago. Um, for the rest of us, uh, it's just Easter, so it's really exciting to celebrate the resurrection uh, in a room full of people. Nobody called the fire department, Tony. Uh, we don't want to be called out for exceeding anything this morning. Yep, come on in, come on in. Um, a couple of quick announcements before I jump into teaching time. Uh, we had a missional community uh, egg hunt family day yesterday at our house. It turned out really well. We had like 50 people at our house, about 25 kids, about 800 Easter eggs, uh, fishing, hot dogs grilling. Uh, spent some really great time with our neighbors and some friends and some of you guys as well. So that was awesome. And next weekend, the Branch family... You guys are going to host missional community party at your place. Uh, what time is that? Three. Three-ish. Oh, yeah. Everybody come. <laughs> so it'll be family fun uh, at Coldwater Creek. We're going to announce that on our group me. So if you're from Saline County or you want to be a part, you want to know what's going on, uh, on our info table back there, we have a little card that says, uh, fill out your info, be added to the group me. Really, it's just a name and a phone number, and you'll stay in the loop as to what's going on with our ministry. Uh, and you'll get an address for that party next week, and you'll get all the updates for our ministry. Also, we got DNA groups going on. That's where discipleship, life-on-life discipleship takes place. Uh, so I know we've got two DNA groups. Our men are meeting this week. My group meets on Wednesday night. We usually eat a burrito at Moe's and study the scriptures and apply it to our lives together. And then um, Thursday night... You guys will be somewhere, right? Usually here Thursday night. So, uh, And then our females, our women, will meet the following Wednesday night. We alternate weeks. And I know Bridgetown has DNA groups going on as well. Check with Richard for the latest info on that. Right on. So I want to, we have an interactive teaching time here. Uh, so a couple things are going to happen. Number one, if you've never been with us before, you're going to be a little freaked out because I'm going to ask you to talk. Number two, if you're with us all the time, you're a little freaked out because you don't want to talk in front of new people. So it's a lose-lose situation this morning, but I cannot change what I do, so we're going to roll with it, right? Uh, So here we go. God's blessings. God's presence. I was posed this question to myself a few years ago, and it stuck with me, and I want to pose it to you this morning. Would you rather 
have all of God's blessings or have God's presence? Would you rather have God's blessings or God's presence? It's two groups of people in here right now. One group of people says, I know the right answer is God's presence. So God's presence, I'm going to say that all day long. Number two, the rest of you are being honest. The other people are not being honest. But the second group's being honest, and you're like, dang, there's a lot of blessings. Right? That'd be financial comfort, be his provisions. And then we could list his blessings day after day after day. Said, man, if I could have his blessings, then wouldn't, wouldn't that be enough? Who wants to be honest with me this morning? I would like both. I believe you can have both. Hey, Derek, can you bring me my coffee, sir? It's right there beside your elbow. Yeah, yeah. I'm afraid if I walk over there, we're going to get feedback and something's going to get ugly real quick. So thank you, sir. Thank you for being a servant. Okay, if you have his presence, won't you have his blessings? Right? I want you to wrestle with this. I don't want to go too far too fast because I want you to feel the weight of this question, right? It's like, hmm... Right? If I have his presence, won't I? But what if you have his presence and the, the words that Jesus said, in this life you will have trouble? What if you could have a trouble-free life because his blessings were abundant to the point that it was easy? Would you give up his presence for the easy blessings? Right? Some of you are walking through some hard stuff right now. Some of you have got some weighty things in your life. You've got some weighty circumstances. You've got some weighty obstacles. And you're like, I know God could bless me and trump these situations and we can move on. He has the power and authority to accomplish that. And man, that'd be awesome. But what if he said, you know what? In this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. And I'm going to walk with you through your junk. I'm not going to remove your junk. I'm going to walk with you through it. Would you rather have his presence or his blessings? Man, that's hard. And if it's not hard, then I think you're a liar this morning. (laughs) I think you're just flat out lying to yourself. Because I still wrestle with this. I do. Would you rather have his blessings or his presence? If we're all honest, we've got to pause and we've got to think about that. I want to, because Jesus has died for our sin, according to the scriptures, he was beaten persecuted, he, he was spit upon, they nailed him to a cross, and he, he died as a sacrifice, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, what John the Baptist said. Look, here he comes, the Lamb of God, taking away the sins of the world. And he did that by, by allowing his body to be nailed to a cross. Because he has done that, but that wasn't then. Three days later, he was raised to life. By the power of his father. Everybody thought it was over. But three days later he wakes up and he walks from the tomb. Defeating death. Defeating sin. Death no longer rules over him according to Romans 6. And because he rules over death, we get to rule with him. Right? Because he rules, we rule with him. Co-heirs to the kingdom of God through the son Jesus. And over the next few weeks, if you're not a part of Bridgetown, but you want to be a part of this, if you're a part of Bridgetown, don't come back. 
enjoy your family, go walk through life together. But if you're not a part of Bridgetown, over the next few weeks, I hope to stretch your thinking about the value of God's presence in your everyday life. We all want His blessings. Not one of you would deny that you want God's blessings. But over the next few weeks, I want to stretch your thinking to see the value of His presence in your everyday life. The value of His presence. My daughter, Micah, 10 years old, uh, not too long ago, she memorized Psalm 23. She memorized it, and every now and then she likes to flex her memorization muscles and impress me with what she has done well. So this week she's like, Daddy, listen. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And she got to this part, and something just hit me like it had never hit me before with this passage. Even though I walk... Through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I don't know if it's because my daughter said it or if the Holy Spirit just wanted me to hear it. But that statement hit me like it never had before when she quoted that this week. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Uh, That's the way most of you, if you've heard it or memorized it, that's what you heard. But the the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB, the one that I've started reading lately, um, translates it like this, maybe a little more literally the way it was written. It says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, maybe a little more literal translation. We love our kids. (laughs) We have very little sound barrier between us and them. We used to have a piece of sheet metal with a hole, and we'd see eyes poking through. This is a step in the right direction. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. So here we have, what is this? It's a valley. Right on, it's a valley. So up here, what, if this is your valley, then this is your mountaintop, right? You have your valleys and you have your mountaintops. You have your mountains and your valleys. David opens Psalm 23 with imagery of the mountaintop. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what? I've got everything I need. I'm satisfied. I have everything I need. He leads me. Uh, he, he makes me to lie down in green pastures where I am rested and refreshed beside still waters. And he restores my soul. This is the mountaintop with God. This is the good day. This is God's blessings fleshing out in everyday life. I am satisfied. I am rested. I am refreshed. And man, I'm restored on the mountaintop with God. And that's what he begins by laying out. But then he lays out a contrast for us as well. Because every one of us takes God's blessings. And we would live on the mountaintop our whole life, would we not? Anybody in here say, man, if I was just satisfied, man, if I was just rested, if I was just refreshed and restored, I'd live in that place, in that position all the days of my life. 
if you could have God's blessings, if you could have all this without His presence, would you take it? Oh, dang, it just became a little more real, right? If you could be rested right now, if you could be refreshed, if you could be restored, and you could have all that without God in your midst, you might be tempted to hand it, to take it. But David goes a step further and says, you know what, that's the mountaintop. But even though, even when, even when I walk through the darkest valleys, even when I walk through the darkest valleys, Check this out. I like to draw. And I also like to spell things wrong. So if you're new with this, I just apologize. It's not readable and half of it's not spelled right. But here on the mountaintop, this is life. The sun beaming on me, uh, full of light. But then, occasionally... There's a contrast. When we walk through the darkest valley, when we walk through the darkest valleys. And here's what the enemy wants to do. The darkness of the valley. The enemy seeks to undo everything that our shepherd has done on the mountaintop. And that's what he does. He seeks to undo what your shepherd has done and in the darkness of the valley you find yourself unsatisfied do you not you find yourself without rest actually i got a better word for that it's one word and i what is it it's restless you find yourself restless you do not find yourself restored but you find yourself exhausted And you are not restored, but you find yourself broken. That's the darkness of the valley. Where the enemy seeks to undo everything your shepherd has done, you are now restless, you are now unsatisfied, exhausted, and broken. Because the enemy has undone the work of the shepherd in your life. This is the darkness of the valley. So let me ask you a question. What life circumstances may cause one to fall into a dark valley? What is a life circumstance that happens that may cause you to find yourself in a dark valley? Shout it out if you got it. Dark valleys, family Problems. Employment issues. Employment uh, or lack thereof issues, which also goes to security. Well, it goes to a lot of things, but I'm going to let it fall under security this morning because it also goes to ego, manhood, and a lot of things that you just want to feel valuable. But one of the main things is security in your employment. What else? Sickness. When we go through sickness, either personally or in the family, then we can find ourselves in a very dark valley. What else? Hmm? When sickness turns to death. 
we find ourselves sometimes in a dark valley. Money has the power sometimes to cause us to fall into a dark valley. So we see that on the mountaintop we are satisfied, rested, refreshed, and restored. Everything's good. We have God's blessings in our life and we are at peace. But then any number of things can happen in life and we wake up one day and we are no longer satisfied but unsatisfied, no longer rested but restless. And everything that our shepherd has done, this circumstance can have the possibility, it can influence throwing us into a dark valley and undoing the work of our shepherd in our life. It can. I say that. It can. doesn't always have to, but it, it might. Right? And you often trace it back to these circumstances. The dark valley. Here's lesson number one that I want us to remember after this morning. The dark valley. What? Think about it in a literal sense. Why is the valley dark? Hmm? The sun can't get there, so it has cast a shadow. Dark, let me go over here. Dark valleys are merely shadows. This is going to have the potential to set somebody free this morning when you understand this. The dark valley is merely a shadow. It's not always reality. It's just a shadow. Nothing physical sometimes has taken place. Sometimes there's just a shadow cast over your circumstance to where you no longer feel the heat of the sun. And, and it just, it may not be different, but it just feels different. Is that right? Like in a shadow, you can be in the same land, in the same presence, in the same circumstances, and you throw a shadow over it, and all of a sudden it just, it just feels different. The darkest valleys, the valley of the shadow of death, it's just a shadow. It's just a shadow. You may be in the same place, in the same thing, in the same circumstance, in the same life, and it may just be a shadow that makes that season feel different. It may just be a shadow. Not long ago, I found myself in a dark valley. Over the past two years, there's been a lot of dark valleys in this journey. But there was a few months ago specifically that I found myself in a very dark valley. And, and, and I think I called Richard and I talked to my wife and I think I remember a conversation with you. I'm like, Richard, you know what? I don't lack any of God's blessings. He's providing. I got work. I got money. I got family. Everything on the surface is just as it was two weeks ago. But it feels different. And because it feels different, it weighs on me different. And, and there was no difference in my life, no difference in our ministry, no difference in, in how God was being faithful and blessing my home and my family and my life. But for some reason, I just woke up and it felt different. And I was no longer rested, but I was restless. I was no longer satisfied in the journey, but I was unsatisfied. I no longer felt whole and restored, but I was completely broken, waking up every day in a dark, dark place. There wasn't any difference, but I was in a shadow 
and it felt different. It felt different. And when it feels different, it has the potential to undo the work of the shepherd in your life. And what he has done in the shadow is undone. Um, Two years ago, my wife found herself in the darkest valley she's ever experienced. The darkest valley she's ever experienced. Anxiety came over her, controlled her, pushed her around, and every move of every day just seemed to be another wave of attacks. And I want to say going into that, we were blessed and we were good. But then it was interesting that through some some faith moves in our life, some employment changes, a little bit of removing of that security that God had given through that direct deposit and that family insurance that the last employer provided, and we, we moved out of some of those things to walk by faith in the calling of God, and really nothing changed. Our bank account didn't change. Our insurance didn't change. Nothing changed except my wife moved into a valley. And it beat her up beat her up day after day wave after wave she found herself in this spiritually she was oppressed from every angle and here's here's what I want to share with you I remember nights sitting in our bed together and she would be weeping and just distressed searching in the word of God for relief for light to overcome the shadow. And I would be sitting in the space next to her completely at peace. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it. She was in the valley while I was on the mountaintop, yet we were side by side. You know what? We were in the same circumstance But for her, it felt different. It just felt different. The shadow of death is just a shadow. And the more we learn that, the more we're going to be able to walk through it and walk out of it. But I don't want to say that lightly. Let me move on. My daughter this week, uh, she's three. My three-year-old, I got kids. But my three-year-old daughter, my three-year-old daughter, um, she's pretty tough. She's the, I mean, she'll hold her own, right? If you're the bottom of four, you're going to hold your own. Either that or just cower in the closet for the rest of your life. But she chooses to hold her own. She's pretty tough. Uh, It was about 3 a.m. Tuesday or Wednesday night, whatever it was. Shelly and I are snoozing, deep sleep, and all of a sudden it is just death scream from the other bedroom. And if you have kids, you know the difference between "Ah," and like, "Ah," right? You know the difference between I'm offended and I'm dying, right? (laughs) And we got the death screen at 3 a.m. in the morning. And I jump up out of bed and I don't wake up quick, so I'm stumbling to her bedroom. And when my daughter, three-year-old, is distraught, she's not speaking English. It is some other tongue and it's not angelic. I don't know what it is. So she's just trying to tell me something, trying to tell me something at 3 a.m. through the desk room, and I don't get any of it. Shelly goes in, does her mom thing, and comes back. It was the baby bears in her closet. 
There were baby bears in my three-year-old's closet, and they were moving, and it caused a death scream. So I, I don't want to minimize the shadow because the shadow will mess with your head. It will mess with you. And most fear in the shadow is from the unknown. Is that true or is that not true? Most of our fears in the darkness is because of what we don't know and what we don't understand. And the shadows will mess with your mind and you create a story for every movement you see. And the shirts hanging in your closet in the daylight become baby bears at night that want to take you out. Shadows will mess with your head. So let me ask you another question. What is it that we fear from the shadows? We know it's the unknown, but when we're going through the dark valleys of life and there's some things that we don't see, what is it that we're actually afraid of? We're afraid of a lack of control. Everyone wants to be in control. But in the darkness, we're not. What else? Where is our help? Right? We don't even know who our oppressor is in the darkness, and we sure don't know who our help is in the darkness. Anything else? What is it in the shadows, in the darkness, that we become fearful of? Hmm? Failure. And that goes back to lack of control and maybe a lack of support. It's just, just failure is inevitable because I can't feel my way through anything in the darkness. Judgment, Judgment from... <laughs> ah, because your husband in bed next to you is in the light while you're in the dark and you fear that he's going to judge you because you're walking through a dark time. Right? If people see me stumbling around through the valley, that fool, doesn't he know it's just a shadow? Right? And you fear the judgment that will come upon you. Right? Here's what I want to say to you. I don't want to minimize the shadow. Even though the shadow is just a shadow... The fear, the darkness, and the war is real. Okay? Even though I walk through the valley of darkness, the darkest valleys, the valley of the shadow of death, whatever you want to say, when you walk through the darkness, it's just a shadow, but your fear and the spiritual war that you are engaged in is real. It's real. And what you have in here, nobody can minimize. What you think and what you feel and what, what you're engaged in, it's just a shadow, but all that is legit. Right? It's very real. If we choose God's blessings over God's presence, at this point, you're out of luck. I want this. I want his blessings. 
I want to live on the mountaintop. It's cool, but every life goes through the valley. And when you do, if you chose the blessings over the presence, you're out of luck. You are alone. You are alone. You are under judgment. You are going to fail. You have no help. And there's no one in control. If you chose the blessings over the presence, not one of us in this room will escape the valley. I feel like life's like an escalator ride. It's just up and down. I don't know if I spend more time on the mountain or in the valley or going between the two, but that's life. But that's life. Um, Dark valleys are lands of spiritual and mental warfare. This cannot be one in the flesh. The dark valley cannot be one in the flesh. You cannot power yourself over it. You cannot strategize yourself through it. It just can't be one in the flesh. It's a mental and spiritual war. Jesus' teaching in John 10, we're going to turn our attention from Psalm 23 to John 10. Jesus had a teaching in John chapter 10. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Jesus in John chapter 10 claims something very profound. He claims to be the fulfillment of Psalm chapter 23. Jesus makes such a bold claim in John 10 that I am the fulfillment of the good shepherd in Psalm 23. And he says that here in me you find your help in the valley. If he is the fulfillment, the Lord is my shepherd, Jesus is my shepherd, I shall not want. He has given me all I need He causes me to lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, He is with me and I will fear no evil for He is with me. Jesus claims to be the fulfillment. Look at John 10 verses 2 through 5 with me. Jesus in a conversation about being the shepherd. He says, The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they'll run away from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. They do not know the voice of strangers. I want to give us three brief but practical applications of how to travel through the valley of darkness. Three practical steps of enjoying the presence of Jesus in the valley. Of of tapping into what He has offered by being our Good Shepherd. Number one, know the difference in the voice of the shepherd and the thief. Know the difference between the shepherd and the thief. I before E. 
E before I. I can't remember that rule. But know the difference. And first of all, confess that there is a difference. There's two voices speaking to us, the voice of our shepherd and the voice of a thief. The shepherd wants to satisfy, rest, refresh, and restore. The thief wants to undo what the shepherd is doing in your life. Now, those two voices are in contrast, and we have to know the difference of who's speaking to us. We have to have discernment between the voice of our shepherd and the voice of our thief. It's the difference between fact and feeling. Right? It's the difference between fear and faith. Knowing the difference between our shepherd and the thief. Thief often appeals to your emotions. When the thief speaks to you in the darkness of the valley, he's telling you and explaining to you what it is you hear and see. You saw those shadows move, didn't you? It's baby bears. Be afraid. Run. Have an emotional response to what you don't know. The thief wants to whisper to you and explain to you what you think you see and hear and don't know. Therefore, you will run as an emotional wreck in the darkness of the valley. You will feel this and respond to that. You will fear this and run to that. It creates two responses in you, the fight or the flight mode. That's where that comes from. The enemy speaking to you, the thief speaking to you, and you either bow up or you back down. When you respond to the voice of the thief, that's what happens. And in the voice of the thief, you begin to increase your lack of satisfaction. You begin to increase in your restlessness. You begin to increase in your fatigue. And you begin to increase in your self-awareness that I'm just broken and hopeless. The thief does that to you in an emotional, fear-based response. But the voice of your shepherd, the voice of your shepherd speaks peace. The voice of your shepherd says, be still. The voice of your shepherd says, I'm with you. The voice of your shepherd brings calm and rest and restores your soul because he is with you. How do I know the difference? He has spoken, first of all, very clearly, revealing himself in the scriptures. And most of us that don't know the difference don't spend very much time here. Because it is here, the meditating on the Word of God, that you begin to have the authority in your life to discern the difference between those two voices. Apart from here, you are emotional, fear-based response. Apart from here. Because this is where He has spoken first and foremost. And when you learn His voice, you will hear Him continually speak to you through the valley. David responded to that in Psalm 23. It's interesting as I read that this week. I just got to read this to you. I didn't know if I was going here, but I got to. He says, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me. I read this in a whole new light this week. I feel like David is saying, you know what? 
I was on the mountaintop and I was telling you about how good God was. Now I'm in the valley and I'm talking to God. I'm rehearsing the voice of truth that I know to be true. I don't feel your presence, but I know you're near. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, God, you're with me, you're with me, you're with me. I hear him repeating that time after time because he wants to affirm that he knows in the fact that God is with him, but in the fear, he wants to say, God left me, but God, I know you're with me. I will not fear, you are with me. I will not fear. I just hear him repeating that over and over and over. I don't feel your presence, but you're here. I don't feel comforted, but I know you're my comforter. I will receive comfort. I don't feel victorious, but yours is the victory. You anoint my head with oil. You're right now in the valley preparing a table at the presence of my enemies. And I claim the victory that I don't see and I don't feel, but I'm victorious because you're with me. And I just hear him telling himself, telling himself the truth, praying to his father and his shepherd the truth when he doesn't feel any of these things. You have to know the voice of your shepherd in contrast to the voice of the thief because when you don't feel any of this, you're forced to walk by faith according to the truth and the voice you heard in the daylight. (laughs) Because in the darkness... You must rehearse what you heard in the light. You have to. Because nothing else feels right. Second thing is, know that the fight is not yours. Jesus is the good shepherd willingly fighting in the darkness. When you get in the darkness and you want to fight or flight, the fight is not yours. The fight is not yours. David says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod and the staff is the thing that he uses to guide and defend and to protect. He beats off the enemy with his rod and his staff. He guides his sheep with his rod and his staff. It is a a tool to to measure, to, to guard and to guide and to defend and to kill the enemy. Jesus is our good shepherd and he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. When you're in the darkness of the valley, your shepherd is killing the enemy on your behalf, fighting off and laying down his own life on your behalf in the darkness. I don't feel you near me, but your rod is killing my enemy even when I don't feel victorious because my shepherd is fighting on my behalf. He's fighting for me right now. When I feel like I'm losing, I'm about to win because victory is his. He's fighting for me. When I don't feel like I can fight, I don't have to. I got a good shepherd and he's promised in the darkness of the valley when you don't see it kicking the enemies that thing if we didn't have visitors with us this morning I'd tell you what we're kicking there was times that when my wife was going through the darkest valley that was the only truth that woke her up in the morning That was the only truth. She couldn't fight for herself. But Jesus spoke to her in the darkness and said, Child, I'm fighting for you. I'm fighting for you. I'm your shepherd. Get up. Let's keep going. I'm fighting for you. You don't have to lay here in defeat. I'm fighting for you. Last thing is, know that you don't walk in darkness alone. There's no fear of failure because he's fighting for me. Where is our help in the darkness? This is what you guys said. In the darkness, you feel like you're helpless. You have nobody to support you. This is your answer. Jesus says you're not walking in the darkness alone. 
I've laid down my life for you and I take it back up again to defeat all darkness. If you hear and respond to his voice, he says, you can be his and he will be with you. In John 10, he says, I lay down my life so that I take it back up again. No one took it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down and I have the right to take it back up again. But if you don't believe because you're not of my sheep, the reason you don't believe that he laid down his life on your behalf and took it back up three days later, the reason you don't believe your shepherd has done that for you, he says, because you're not my sheep. You're not. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me even in the darkness. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. That's the position of being a sheep of our shepherd. What's the defining point of being a sheep of this shepherd? You hear his voice and you follow it. He says, believe. So I believe. He says, do not fear. So I'm not afraid. That's what his sheep do. How do you know if you're not his sheep? Because he says, I laid down my life for you on my own choice. But it didn't stay there. I pick it back up too. I've got authority to do that. And you say, no, I don't believe it. I'm not going to follow it. It's because you're not his sheep. AJ, you didn't do that for years. I told you that same story year after year after year. And you're like, no, got too many questions. Got too many questions. I hear that. I hear what you're saying. But no, no. But then one day, AJ said, yeah, I believe the voice of my shepherd. I do. I do. I believe the voice of my shepherd and I'm going to follow him and believe him. You know what? You never walk through the valley alone again. And we've walked through the valley together. But I can't comfort you. I can't defend you. I can't fight on your behalf. But now you have one who does. He is your shepherd. And you will learn to walk through the valley well. You'll do it well as you have a defender walking with you. You'll never walk it alone. So let me ask you one more time. Would you rather have God's blessings or God's presence? The valley's coming. There's not one of us that's going to escape it. And you can't live on the mountaintop forever. Because shadows come and shadows go. Which one do you want? His blessings or his presence? I'm going to ask the worship team. They're going to lead us in a time of celebration. And then Freeman's going to lead us in a time with AJ of showing what our shepherd has done. In the waters of baptism, we show that our shepherd laid down his life and he was buried and that he also took his life back up again. As we come out of the waters of baptism, we display that I believe he has laid down his life. I believe he has taken it back up again. And just as Jesus was raised to walk in new life, I too will follow him in new life. He will be my shepherd.
That's what the waters of baptism declare this morning. Maybe you've never followed Jesus in baptism and maybe you didn't bring a change of clothes, but you have heard the voice of your shepherd this morning and you don't care if you go home wet. It's not too late. It's not too late. While we sing a song of celebration and they get prepared, maybe God's preparing you to be a part of this this morning as well. We want to help you to follow Christ in baptism as He walks with you in the valley. Let me pray. These guys are going to lead. God, we thank You for the Word that we have that, yes, Your blessings are incredible.